0: Hey, Girl Boss! This is your host, Sophia Amoruso, founder of a company called Girl Boss. I wrote a book called Girl Boss. You guys probably know that if you're listening, but I never really introduced myself. And yeah, to follow us, to follow me, it's at Sophia Amoruso at Girl at Girl Radio, all on Instagram. And then I don't know at the top of this podcast, I really do want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast, to give us a rating, write a review. If you like the podcast, I mean, I guess if you don't like the podcast, you can give us some constructive criticism. But it really helps our rankings, and you know, those rankings matter in a business category full of old dudes. Um, so we're we're happy to be there, but we're relatively alone in our category. So the more help we can get, the better. Something else I want to talk about is uh, something we're we're building that is yet to be named that is yet to be announced and it's really exciting and it's it's a piece of software but I mean I don't know the word software is just the least sexy word ever but to me you know having a a small technology team is really really cool so if you want to hear or be the first to hear about what that is you can go subscribe to the future at the and if you refer a couple friends, you'll get in maybe a little sooner. So exciting thing you'll hear more about later this year. And so today we have a great guest. She's the co-founder of Away, Jen Rubio. And if you guys have seen any luggage on Instagram, it's probably Away. And before we get to our chat with her in just a second, I want to talk just a little bit about Skillshare. Uh, Skillshare is is amazing. It's an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, in marketing, technology, design, watercoloring. You can take classes in social media marketing, data science, web development. I've actually been looking at the social media marketing because, um, you know, I was an early kind of adopter of social media, but... Uh, there's certain ways of you know engaging influencers and other things that I think we do a pretty good job at we do a great job at but I want to know more personally and Skillshare has been a really great resource for me even as an entrepreneur so join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners get two months of Skillshare for just yep, 99 cents that's right. Skillshare is offering Girlboss Radio listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Girlboss. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Girlboss to start your two months now. That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E Skillshare.com slash Girlboss. Success. It's such a complicated idea, and yet for so long we've all collectively subscribed to a single definition of the word, which was likely given to us by a white-haired dude somewhere in a boardroom in the 1960s. And there's nothing wrong with that definition, with the notion of climbing a corporate ladder with a singular focus. But it's time to make space for a few other definitions, for side hustles and well-being and failing forward, and for the idea that success is a wild ride, not the destination at the end of it. Join me for a journey into the lives of women who are redefining success and paving the way for others with grit and grace. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder and CEO of Girl Boss Media, and this is Girl Boss Radio. Jen Rubio is the co-founder of Away Luggage. Before starting Away, Jen built her career by creating compelling brand narratives for some of the world's most innovative companies. She started her career at Johnson & Johnson, and after working there for a couple years, she quickly moved on to work for herself as a social media manager back in 2008 when Facebook was just becoming a thing and Instagram didn't even exist.
1: I remember I'd like saved up a bunch of money. I decided to quit and like work in social media and this was I don't know like 2008 maybe before that I was living in LA at that time there were all these taco trucks driving around town and they would tweet out their locations and it would cause like hundreds and hundreds of people to show up and um, that was like early social media marketing And, and and like I just saw the power of what it could do
0: In 2011, Jen joined the early team at Warby Parker as their head of social media. And it was there that she met her co-founder at Away, Steph Corey. In 2015, Jen was named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list for marketing and advertising. So if you don't know what Away is, it's a modern travel brand that creates thoughtful luggage and travel accessories designed to make travel more seamless. At no point was I
1: like, I'm going to start a luggage company. It was more about like, why doesn't this exist? How come no one's thought of this? How come there isn't a luggage brand that people love, even though people love social media and travel and talking about travel on social media, and planning every inch of their trip. And then they take like, some some weird no name bag with them that they don't care about. And this is the thing that like powers them on all of their trips. So it was more about just like, again, being really curious, asking a lot of questions. And It was one of those things that I started just thinking about all the time. Starting with less than 10 employees
0: and now having almost 200 two and a half years later, Away has had rapid growth. The company has pulled in more than $125 million in revenue since
1: its launch in
0: 2016, which is pretty incredible.
1: You know what this is I'm really following my gut on something and I'm taking into account all of the things that are being given to me. But sometimes like I still let like, my instinct went out, and, and that, for me, is, like, a, a really good personal victory because I think that's still, you know, it's important to, not, like, not kill your gut instinct because that's what got me here in the first place. And today,
0: Jen's here to talk about how to find the perfect co-founder, how to fundraise, and to share her expert insight on how to effectively brand a business. What was your first job?
1: My, my first real job was... Uh, that like I had to show up somewhere and and get paid to do it. I was a receptionist at a car dealership. How was that? I completely forgot about it until you just asked me, actually. But it was actually so interesting because I get bored so easily and I think I would sit there and I just had to pick up the phone and like greet people who went into this car dealership and like assign them to a salesperson. And I would like try to invent all these little games for myself just to keep myself amused. And I learned everything about the car dealership in like three weeks. And I think that's, I don't know, I just I just couldn't do exactly what I was told, you know? You know, I couldn't just pick up the phone. I couldn't just say hi. I would just like go over to the salespeople's desk, ask them what they're doing, ask them how they sold the cars. Like I found out how like cars are registered. And I was just trying to think of ways to keep it interesting for myself, which I think are that curiosity is is part of what makes me good at what I do now but it really made me terrible at a lot of my jobs so does that mean you were an overachiever generally i wouldn't i don't know if i would qualify it as as overachiever i think i was just so easily bored that i would just yeah. keep looking for things to learn like if i wasn't learning new things and if i wasn't being challenged i would just be looking for things to do, which um, probably my first few jobs is super annoying to my bosses.
0: Did you go to college?
1: Um, I did. I went to Penn State for a few years and I I dropped out. I actually went to LA my junior year to do a co-op for Johnson & Johnson and I basically begged them to let me stay and they offered me a job and the whole thing was that I was going to Finish off my last few credits, and I never did. Got a little derailed, but um, I, I said one, once things slowed down, I would I would go back and finish, and I just haven't done that.
0: What did you learn from your early jobs? I think they're always very formative to art. The later part of our careers. I mean, I worked I worked at Barnes and Noble, and it taught me to like point toward the area we were going and like walk them over to the business book section or whatever it was rather than just point and be like it's over there and that's always been something that I've taken with me especially when I was in retail
1: yeah I think um, like attention to detail like everything I've ever had to do I had to be very detail oriented just being able to teach yourself how to, like, give a crap about what you're doing, I think, is so important. I mean, there are so many, like, little jobs here and there. Like, I remember one summer I temped and I just had, like, rooms and rooms full of paper that I had to alphabetize and put in these boxes. And, and I think it's so easy to just kind of write off those experiences and write off those jobs. And I had to, to make it fun for myself, um, like, literally to get through it. So I think that's something that um, it's a big misconception. Like people think whether like you start your own company or you get your dream job, that every second of every day is going to be fun. And it's not. And you know that like we have the best jobs in the world and like we have these companies that we've built, but, you know, every second isn't fun. And I think having had to do all of the all those terrible like menial tasks like really gave me some grit and um, the kind of stamina to get through the things that I don't like to do.
0: Yeah. And there's a way to kind of tweak out, you know, the small things are often not small things. They're kind of little um, in like intentions or prayers for your future just to like do a good job with what you have, what's in front of you, even if it's not the best job right now. Uh, and to find a way to be creative and curious in any job is kind of what what takes you down the rabbit hole and really is able to I think, like propel your career and your life into places that, you know, keep you from staying stagnant and accepting things at face value, really like crawling around and figuring out how things work from the inside out, no matter how boring it is.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm like a big, big believer in like using intentions as guardrails. So just like setting those guardrails for yourself. And sometimes you're going to take a huge step in, in the right direction and sometimes it's going to be like an inch. But if you have the guardrails, at least you're not falling off a cliff. And I think for me, you know, it's easy to look back now and be like, everything I did led me to where I am and to the company that we started and um, to the success we've had to date. But I had no idea, like in the day to day, that that's what I was doing. It was like I was following the things I was interested in and things I cared about. And I would make a list of what was important to me in the next step of my career. And I would take little steps towards that. And I think that's that's how I eventually got here. But it wasn't like, you know, I'm on this 20 step program, uh, and this is step two to being a successful entrepreneur. Did you
0: have mentors that got you to where you are today, or do you think it was really your curiosity that got you there?
1: I think it was my my curiosity, and I I don't think you know I. I kind of get really jealous of the people who are like, I've had this mentor that, you know, I've been talking to for a decade that knows me and gives me this advice. And I I haven't had that, but I think what I've had at every step is someone that I could go to and trust, whether it was my current boss or a previous boss or even just a friend who is a few years ahead of me. And I think, you know, even now, like how many times do you and I text each other and just like ask random questions? And I think that's so important. I actually think mentorship is such such an amazing thing but it's such a heavy thing like I've had so many incredible young women like reach out to me and say like will you be my mentor and it's so heavy I'm like I don't know if I can live up to that like I don't know how much time do you need and it's like it's just such a it becomes a burden like I think the way people position it but I think just having like a wide network of people that you can ask a question here and there to has has literally just changed everything for me and and knowing that you know I don't have to go with the same person every time or that um I don't I don't have to schedule these things that I just have you know people to bounce ideas off of has been really great
0: having those people early in your career can be really you know, hard to put together when you're the founder of a company and you've been in magazines, you know, it's easy to get meetings with people. But when you are starting out, you know, nobody knows who you are or how do you what would your advice be for someone who's just starting out and wants to build that network they can they can rely on over the course of their their career?
1: I think take it little by little. It's not about um, I think if if early in my career I had set out to find a mentor. I definitely would not have found one, but it was just, you know, what was I curious about and who had an answer for me about something that I was interested in? Um, I actually started working in social media kind of by accident. I had this corporate job. Um, I had dropped out of school and I wanted to work in marketing at this big company. And they told me that I needed to get my MBA to even be considered. And I was like, okay, well, like, that's not going to happen because I didn't finish my undergrad. But I remember I'd like saved up a bunch of money. I decided to um, quit and do and like work in social media. And this was, I don't know, like 2008, maybe before that. I was living in LA at that time. There were all these taco trucks driving around town and they would tweet out their locations and it would cause like hundreds and hundreds of people to show up. And um, that was like early social media marketing. And, and it wasn't about me going to someone and being like, how do I do social media marketing? Which is such like an overwhelming question for me and for whoever I'm asking. But I remember one night I was like getting tacos. And I found the guy who was like tweeting out the locations on the Twitter account. And I like asked him like, one or two questions that kind of, like, led me in one direction, and then I found someone else, and they answered a few more questions that led me in another direction, and I think it was a collection of all those little things, because when it's, like, digestible, and when it's something that people can easily answer, it it might take a second to them, but it's a huge help to you, and I think that's how I approached everything early in my career.
0: After working at Johnson & Johnson and managing social media for various brands, Jen started working at Warby Parker as head of social media. She revealed how she ended up there and why she
1: wanted to work at a startup. I was working at a social media agency. So this was like post-taco truck days. I'd gotten like some freelance clients under my belt. I ended up moving back to New York working for this agency. And I was like, why am I back in New York? I'm going to go back to L.A. To be with my boyfriend at the time, we decided to move back to L.A. And a couple of weeks before I left, I had a friend who worked at Tumblr. And I was, like, really into Tumblr, like, made a ton of friends on there, Um, had a really great community from, like, you know, the early social media days. And uh, my friend who worked at Tumblr was like, you should meet with this company Warby Parker, they sell glasses and they're like starting to do some social media stuff. I know you're moving back to L.A., but it would just be interesting for you to have this conversation. And I ended up basically walking into a job interview for a job that I wasn't looking for or wasn't applying for. And I remember sitting at Union Square Park and talking about like all of the amazing things they could do with Facebook and this new platform, Instagram, that was just coming out and um, the things they should be doing on Tumblr and how to work with, like, the people who had a lot of followers on Tumblr. Like, this was before we called them influencers. And I remember walking out of there and being like, wait, do I want this job? Do I want to work here? And I um, kind of continued through this, like, accidental interview process and completely derailed my plans to move back to L.A. But I I ended up getting a job there as, like, their first social media manager and, and kind of like shepherding them through the like very early social media phases. And I think, I don't know, I think when I tell the story, it seems so random. Like I was going to move back to L.A. I had no intention of staying in New York. And then I stumbled upon this startup. But I think one of the things you said was, you know, getting a job as a startup, like is really sexy and um, a lot of people want it. And, you know, it's hard to get. I think at the time they had maybe 15 employees. And so, you know, I think when you are joining a startup really early, it's easy to look back and be like. Oh, yeah, that was Warby Parker or like people who have been at Away since the early days. Like it's easy for them now to be like, yeah, I started away really early, but but no one really believed in us then. And no one really believed in Warby Parker when when I joined. So I think it was a combination of like luck and knowing that it was a step in the right direction for me and just being really excited about the opportunity.
0: And it wasn't really what you wanted. You wanted to move to L.A. How important do you think it is for us to embrace the th- not getting what we want? Because it happens all the time. But often it's what takes you to the thing that ends up being the right thing. Do you believe that? And do you think we should embrace, you know, not getting what we want as part of our pro-
1: you know, development process? Yeah, completely. I mean, I don't think at any point I ever thought about it as not getting what I want. I thought about it as actually a step in, in something I really loved. So, you know, if you think back to just kind of like setting those intentions and having those guardrails, I knew that I wanted my career to progress in a direction where, you know, I was working for a brand that I was excited about, um, doing something I loved, like connecting with people, like like being being the person who thinks about how that brand connects with people. And, you know, that was something that when I was talking to the guys at Warby, I was like, this is so clear to me that I, I could do this here. So at no point was that I like, I'm not getting what I want by not moving back to L.A. or by staying in my old job. It was it was like I, I had set up this kind of like North Star for myself and this was clearly something towards that plan. So I, I just I never really thought of it as as not getting what I want. Yeah and I think one thing that's always this has happened to me
0: throughout my career is you know you think something's not achievable or someone's like a a god or a king or a queen and you could never do what they do when you first meet them and being exposed to people if you're really kind of you don't even have to be that confident you just have to tell yourself like oh like I can do that and it kind of like you know reducing your idols and those guys are really talented Dave and Neil and Jeff who's now gone on to found Harry's a razor company but but still to look at those guys and be like I could do this I mean that's a that's something I think we should all consider because the only difference between the people who are doing what you want to be doing and you is that they just started doing it right I mean I think
1: yeah I mean that's that's exactly it right and I don't don't think it's about looking at looking at your idols and being like I could do this it's it's about looking at it looking at them and asking yourself what part of this can I do um because if I even think about about building a way, it's like we there's no way we could have done all this by ourselves but we figured out the parts that we were really good at and the parts that we could do and that's that's how you figure out how to like build the team around you or how to build the network around you um, of people who fill in those gaps. Jen opened up about what made her want to start her company away. It started with broken luggage. I, you know, it was totally a a personal pain point thing. And I think I was in this weird phase of my life where I had a lot of friends in business school um, and I had a lot of friends who were leaving their companies to start their own thing. So I was hearing a lot of ideas around me. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back in the startup world. So after Warby, I moved to London to work for a fashion company, and it was um, a lot more corporate, a lot more structure, a lot bigger in size. So I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next, but I did know that I had left my job in London and um, I needed to move back to the U.S. because I didn't have a visa. But my luggage broke And I was looking for replacement. I was asking everyone for recommendations and just nobody had any. And at no point was I like, I'm going to start a luggage company. It was more about like, why doesn't this exist? How come no one's thought of this? How come there isn't a luggage brand that people love, even though people love social media and travel and talking about travel on social media and planning every inch of their trip. And then they take like, some some weird no name bag with them that they don't care about, and this is the thing that like powers them on all of their trips. So it was more about just like again being really curious, asking a lot of questions, and it was one of those things that I started just thinking about all the time, and like asking friends about it, and asking friends like what what luggage they use, and and like what they could recommend. And I um, I reconnected with with my co founder Steph. Um, we had worked at Warby Parker together, and she kind of latched onto this idea the same way I had, where it was, like, all we could talk about. And I don't know if it's because we weren't, like, necessarily, like, looking to start something, but we'd never really had that conversation of, hey, let's start this this business, let's start a luggage company, um, but it, it just consumed all of our conversations, and we went from you know not talking that frequently to talking all the time about this one thing, and one thing led to another from there. And, and we did end up starting the company. And obviously, there were a lot of things in there that you know that had to be intentional. Like we we raised money from our friends and family so that we could start designing and prototyping and, and all of that stuff. But I think a lot of it in those early weeks and months, was both of us just being curious and just obsessing over this idea. Jen and her co-founder,
0: Steph Corey, get along famously. Jen shared how they found each other and why their partnership works.
1: Steph's background is in supply chain. And at Warby, she, you know, did supply chain and product development. And, you know, she knew how the glasses were made and and how they got to our customers. And I think it was the, the complete opposite of what I knew how to do. And it's actually really interesting because that's how we became friends. Like we worked on such opposite sides of the business that we never like annoyed each other or pissed each other off. And so we became really good work friends. But I think she was one of the people that, you know, when, when I was like really curious about the luggage industry in general, I knew that she might have some insight to, to the answers I needed, which is why, you know, I called her to catch up about this thing. You know, looking back, it's like, we have completely complementary skill sets like very left brain and right brain we completely fill in each other's gaps and and i think that's why we've been able to work together so well and and be so successful and that's probably why it was so easy for us to to start this thing but i i remember in the beginning when we were talking about this idea and and potentially talking about doing it together I made a list of all the reasons. I still have it somewhere. I made a list of all the reasons why I thought she and I would be great together. And that was probably one of the most intentional things I've ever done. It wasn't like we should start this company together because we know a lot about luggage. But it was like, you know, these are our personality traits. And these are the things you're good at. And these are the things I'm good at. And these are the things that we both value. And these are kind of the non-negotiables that and this is why we fit so perfectly together and I think about that and it was kind of I don't know I guess looking back it was kind of like a contract to our relationship and our partnership and I I wonder if if more people did that in their personal lives if if their relationships would turn out better but I, I look back on that and I'm really glad I did that.
0: And I think just going back to your issue with the broken luggage is that one thing not everybody hears about I mean, if you read, you know, business magazines or whatever, nerd out on it, is that whether it's business ideas or inventions, is that most of those come out of like a personal need, like, wow, why doesn't this thing exist? And, you know, if you go through the world thinking of those, I guess, like white spaces or, you know, gaps or whatever it may be and and thinking like. Wow, like, why doesn't this exist? It often leads to the best ideas. So, for those listening, you know, what would you say the background is of something? if you're starting a company and you need someone who can figure out how to go make stuff in a factory? Is it a production person? What kind of background would they be looking for?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the you know one route you could take is is finding someone with product development experience, and it doesn't have to be in that field. I think just someone who knows how like factories work. And, and how to do all of those things. But I think another thing is just going to to industry events. Um, so on on one hand, you can find someone, like, not really to that industry at all, but gets manufacturing. Um, and on the other, you could just start going to trade shows or, you know, just – places where where companies already exist like the one that you might be trying to start um, because you you pretty quickly start to notice a lot of patterns like a lot of people will get their fabrics or materials from from one source and it's like all the same people go to all these same things so um, I I should think like a healthy mix of both is super helpful. Jen
0: spoke to what sorts of challenges she and Steph faced in starting away and how they set themselves up for success before they even started.
1: We did a ton of upfront research before we we made or ordered a single thing. So even before we designed a product, we interviewed, you know, started out as dozens. We ended up interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people, like almost a thousand, um, just about what they wanted in a suitcase. And it started out as, you know, what kind of features would you like in a bag? Um, Not helpful data because everyone wants everything. But we started talking to to people about their their pain points when they travel. Like, what were the things that were most annoying? Like, what did they wish would exist but but didn't already? And that's how we got, I think, a lot of the insights that we needed to really feel good about creating the suitcase that we were creating. So we took kind of all of those answers and all of that data and used that to, to figure out what features we wanted in a bag. And then we worked with um, an industrial designer to – to kind of like make that come to life. Ne- uh, neither Steph or I are, are actual designers. So just really learning the process through someone who could, who could do the technical drawings and things like that. And then we would prototype it, but because there's so many different parts in luggage, we would be working like really intensely on wheels one week, and then switch over to the actual case and then zipper, like we we're just going back and forth on all of these parts. So we basically had tons of different prototypes with tons of different parts that we would constantly be like Frankensteining together until we got the perfect bag.
0: And so you made a bag and and you made, so I guess a prototype, but how did you know when people actually wanted what you made? When did you
1: know you were onto something? People ask me that every day. And, and I don't know if, you know, sometimes we have days when we're like, are we onto something? Um, and then sometimes I have days when I'm like, I knew from the day we had a prototype. So the way we launched the company was interesting. We, we knew we wanted to launch it for holidays in 2015. And we wanted to get into a bunch of gift guides, like having, um, you know, having worked at other companies, we saw like the impact of press, especially on the holidays. And we had um, talked about the company to a few big publications, who were really excited about it. And then we realized that the bag wasn't going to be ready for the holidays, but we didn't want all of that press to be for nothing. So what we did was actually um, we decided to write a book, which was pretty delusional, but we pulled it off somehow. We, We got a friend who's a writer to interview 40 influencers. The book was called The Places We Returned To and talked about places they traveled. And it was just you know, not influencers in the sense of like millions of Instagram followers, but just people with like great taste who were like really well respected in their communities, like well liked and, and just good people to rally around the brand that we were building. So we write this book, the book came with a $225 gift card to Away, which people could redeem for the bag that didn't exist yet. And instead of launching pre-orders or instead of delaying our launch, we decided to launch with the book. And I think that was a really interesting moment for me personally, like as as the, the person who's like who'd been obsessing over this brand that we were going to build to see, you know, a couple thousand people buy those books for this gift card that for a bag that didn't even exist yet, like really, really showed me that something we were doing with the brand was resonating. Um, You know, obviously people were interested in the idea of the luggage, but they hadn't seen it yet. We didn't even have photographs of it. Um, But I think just the way we were talking about travel and and talking about launching away – really did resonate with, with the first, you know, couple of thousand people who bought the book. And that's when I realized we could be onto something. And then it wasn't until we started, like, shipping the suitcases and getting more and more orders in and, like, having a really tough time staying in stock that, you know, we realized we really had something. But I had a very strong inkling that holiday that, um, that this could be something great. We have so much more with Jen coming up. First,
0: let's talk about Lola. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. So, If you guys don't know, non-organic tampons are really bad for you, they're full of bleach and you're putting them inside your body where, uh, I don't know, I think it might might be the most absorbent part of your body and leaving it there for several hours, so it's probably, it's a bad idea and Lola's fixing it Um, and it's so, so sad that the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose the full list of ingredients in their feminine care products. And Lola is 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. Uh, They also have cleansing wipes. You can subscribe. And for every purchase, Lola donates feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. We use Lola here at the office. Our bathrooms are stocked full, and we love it. We go through quite a lot of them because most of the office is women we're big fans and for 40% off all subscriptions visit mylola.com and enter code girlboss when you subscribe that's right for our listeners oh my god get 40% off all subscriptions by visiting mylola that's dot com and entering code girlboss when you subscribe lola founded by women for women We'll have more with Jen in just a second. But first, let's talk about, yep, ShipStation. ShipStation is built for entrepreneurs. So if you have an e-commerce business, you are shipping, and you need to get your orders out the door quickly. And ShipStation is really best in class. They integrate with Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, and over 75 other popular selling channels. And we use it here at Girlboss to ship ship. Everything that we do, we have a little bit of merch. It's hiding somewhere on the internet. We'll be making it more prominent for you. But ShipStation makes it so easy. You can use UPS, FedEx, USPS, really any of the top shipping carriers. And right now, you can try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use our promo code GIRLBOSS. You guys don't Wait, go to shipstation.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Girl Boss. That's shipstation.com. Enter Girl Boss. Shipstation. Make ship happen.